you, Tony, and thank you, Harvest, so much for everything that you guys do for me and my family, for your support, for um, your, your prayer and constant checking in on us, seeing how we're doing. You know, I, uh, I'm at Harvest right now, so I, I had it in my notes. I was going to come up and say, you guys were the first church to, if I was in Cali Harbor, I'd be like, you know what? You guys were the first church but no, seriously, I have a terrible memory and I can't remember which one, but both, both your pastor and Corey Gordon, like when I was, before we even started deputation, it was like, Hey, after this school year, I'm not going to be the student pastor anymore. I'm going to deputation. They're like, we're in, let us know when to start sending checks. And I mean that guys, that's such a huge blessing for my family and for us. So thank you so much for holding the rope for us. I, I, uh, seriously, I, I can't ever get over how many, churches and individuals in America are praying for us and supporting us. And it's, it's always just incredibly humbling. So thank you so much for partnering us, uh, partnering with us in that. Um, I've actually been at your church a total of three times. So the first time that I came and was with you guys, it was in the old building. So I got to see the, the original building. And then the second time, a couple of years later, we were under the big tree in the park. And, the, and I got to see this building existed and, and you guys had started demoing. So I got to kind of come in and, and Tony did a walkthrough and it was cool because it was like, this is the promised land. This is what it's going to look like. He's just like vision casting. Like, there's going to be classrooms here. There's going to be garage doors there. And, and it, was, it was just, it was so cool. And then to be able to finally come and I've been watching on Facebook and tracking and watching the pictures and like, oh, they got paint and oh, they got walls up. And, uh, and so that's been really cool for me to watch you guys. And so to be here is really exciting. I've been excited for this um, the last couple of weeks, knowing that I finally get to see it. So truly, I just want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for uh, supporting us, praying for us since day one. And you haven't stopped I think, I think the most humbling thing for me is that even when this church was homeless without a building, because we know the church isn't a building, amen? This was still a church even when there was no building. And even when this church didn't have a home, you guys didn't, it would have been really easy to say, hey, listen, man, we just can't afford to keep sending you checks right now. But when we get the new building, we'll resume. No, never. If anything, you guys probably increased your giving. And that, I mean, that is a testament to what this church is about, to what your pastors are about. And, and we hold you guys very dear to our heart. And honestly, in my opinion, I believe that you've been blessed for that. I mean, not just for us, but the fact that you guys never have stopped sacrificing of yourselves, even when it would be justifiable. Like, well, we got, you know, we can't really give too much away. We got to keep it so we can get our building. And then once we get the building, then we can really start giving. And, and because you guys were like, no, this is what we have to do. Look at all, look at all God has done. Amen. This is, this is amazing. And so I, I've met lots of you guys before and there's lots of new faces that I don't know. So um, man, make sure you come up and see me afterward. If I've not met you before, my name's Kale. Um, do I have, did I get you the picture Mason? Awesome. So this is our family. I, old prayer cards are out there, but I just put up some new prayer cards with a, with a new picture. If you guys want to grab one on your way out, it's got all of our contact details, how you can stay in touch with us. And, uh, but really we took this picture in the spring and it's already out of date because the reason we came back to America was to have our second son. So I, do we have the second picture? I wanted to give you guys something to <laughs> accurately depict our, look at that chunk monster, dude. He is chonky boy. But um, yeah, so if you guys want to keep praying for our family, we're actually January 20th, we're heading back. So that's just about three weeks. So we got to, I got to get back to Ohio after, uh, after this week and we got to pack and figure out how to take a three month old on the plane and that'll be fun. But if you guys would be praying for us for that, for the, the travel, for getting him in the country, I got to get his residence permit and all that. But um, uh, yeah, just be praying for us on our way back. And, and I know you will. So thank you guys so much. Um, 
I, I do want to, before we dive into the scripture, I do want to give you guys a bit of an update because I know there's lots of you who track with us and lots of you who um, don't know who we are. So that we moved to Hungary after a long process of God calling and confirming us in December of 2020. And uh, I don't know if you guys remember 2020, but it was a weird year. It was, it was interesting. And it wouldn't have been the year that I would have picked to move across the world, but it was when God planned it. And that's what we were doing. And we had fun, raised our funds and then the, the pandemic hit and delayed us a little bit, but we found a small window in December of that year. And so we, we just took it and we got over there. And, uh, and it's been a wild ride ever since, man. That first year was crazy. Lots of like government lockdown. The first 10 days that we were in the country, uh, we had police ring our doorbell every day and make sure we were in there. And, you know, we, we didn't know what it, they were saying. We just, we, we, we understood the word for police. It was like, yes, yes, we're here. Like it, it was, it was a wild ride. But you know, that first year, it was a lot of just praying and, and just hanging out at Jesus's feet and, and language study. I did a lot of grammar study on Zoom. Um, but, but God is good. And that second year, after a lot of praying, we started getting some men and some people who were interested in seeking truth. And so now we've got seven or eight guys and gals on a wide spectrum from not saved at all. And just our friend to saved and to, to not save, but counting the cost all the way to one brother who's saved. And I'm starting to disciple. And it's, we haven't really started our regular Bible studies yet, but that's, that's our next stage. And so if you would be praying for us, we're excited when we get back in January, we're going to start our like bi-weekly and eventually weekly Bible studies with this core group of people that uh, I'm hoping by the end of the year, will start to resemble uh, a church. And so if you guys want to be praying for that. So what we've been doing really the last two years is digging. People ask me, what have you been doing? We've been digging, man. We're just laying foundations. Now, listen, I know that this is a blue collar church because you all basically built this building other than the bowling alley, you know, structure on the outside. You guys have been at hard at work doing this thing. Now, if you would have built the building from the beginning, uh, is there any construction worker or blue collar dudes in here? Any, any guys who like, okay, you don't have to raise your hand. I know there's some, but we, I got the, the opportunity to help build a youth building at our church, um, several years ago now. And, uh, and I just got to be a small part to help. And watching that process was unreal because the, from the moment we decide we're going to do it to the actual breaking ground was a long time. But then from the, they have to excavate the land. They have to test the dirt. They have to, they have to dig the footers and pour the footers. It's a lot of work getting the foundation ready to go. But if you don't do that and you put a building up, it's going to fall down the first time the, the rain blows through, right? So you, you have to spend time getting the foundation right. And it's not fun. It's not easy work. It's, it's, it's laborious. It's, it's dirty, manly work. But then, man, once you get that done, I, and I watched it with our building, the building flies up pretty quick. It really, like, like the outside, it looks like a building really quick, but that foundation took a while. But, you know, Jesus told us, man, you got to get that foundation. Because if you're going to put up a building, you're going to build a house on the sand, that thing's going to fall. But if you build it on the rock, and we know what that rock is, and especially when we're building a church, we, we got to get that foundation set. So that's what we've been working on, and God has been blessing us, and we're excited to, to start to see in the distance of what we've been dreaming and praying about. I'm sure you guys know, like where you're sitting at today, if you looked back like five years ago, you'd be like, wow, look at where we come. We're, well, we can start to see into the future of like, okay, it's starting to look like what we've been dreaming about. So, man, we're super excited for that. Keep Please keep praying for us and praying for the people there. And just uh, in, in our language study, I've been studying the language two years and I'm intermediate. But uh, that's good enough. You just don't want to be a tourist. But if you want to teach people the Bible and philosophy and 
that's a, that's a loftier goal. So just keep praying for me. It's going to be several years before that I'm, you know, an advanced speaker. Um, but once again, thanks for praying, supporting us. Grab us, grab a prayer card, grab me after the service. I would love to, um, to, to meet you and put a name or put a face with the name. So before we dive in here, I want to just take a moment and uh, we're, we're going to ask God to speak to us. I know Tony already prayed, but I, I need to pray and ask God to do this thing because I am, uh, I'm, I'm just not good at it. And so God's going to have to do it. But before we do that, I just, I want to ask, was anybody at Mission Focus last week or got to watch um, some of it online? Um, Awesome. A few people. So listen, you guys know what Mission Focus is. It's a missions conference focused on the Great Commission. And so, you know, I'm a missionary and we're here. It's the first Sunday, the first day of the year. We're going to talk about the Great Commission. But before we do that, do you think Satan likes us talking about that? (laughs) What's you guys' vision statement here? Go, bring, build. Why? So that you can, they can go and bring and build. And so we're all about going at this church, right? And if we're going to talk about the Great Commission, Satan doesn't like that. And so listen, Satan would love for you to be tired from last night and daydreaming, thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch. He would love for you to not be paying attention to what the Lord has to tell us from his word. So let's just take a moment. Let's pray. Let's ask God to get our heart right, open our ears, and speak to each of us and tell us what we need to hear, right? Okay. God, we love you. Thank you so much, God, for this opportunity. I love this church. I love these brothers. I love these pastors here. And God, it's a privilege to be here. And thank you so much for their faithfulness to getting the gospel around the globe and to sacrificing of themselves so that that can happen. It it means the world to me and my family. God, I pray that this morning as we open your word and you speak to us, that you would show us what each of us, there's a general theme that we all need to hear, but God, each and every individual one of us needs to hear something from your word. And not only that, we need to hear it and we need to consume it and we need to apply it. And we need to leave this building this year consecrated to doing whatever you've called us to do. And I pray that today on New Year's Day, the first day of the year, that this would be the day that we get this theme right, that the Great Commission matters. And this year, there's a line in the sand. We're going to be all in. We love you. It's in the name of Christ, I pray. Amen. So I'm from, and I was born in Northeast Ohio, which is about an hour, hour and a half south of Cleveland. So I'm a huge Cleveland sports fan. Uh, Sympathy is welcomed. Um, So for better or mostly worse, I've been a Cleveland fan my entire life. And in 2016, at one bright spot in the last 50 years of Cleveland sports history, the Cleveland Cavaliers, our NBA team, went to the NBA Finals. And the city of Cleveland had not won a pro sports championship since the 1964 Cleveland Browns. So it was a, it was a dry spell. And uh, we were all about it. And seeking to end this 52-year drought, the Cavaliers, if, in the NBA, whenever your team goes to the finals, usually there's some branding and marketing ploy of like, we're, we're going to tag it with this theme. And so that theme in 2016 was all in. And they're call, calling all of Ohio to band together as if we're going to help them win. You know, band together. We're all in. We're going to get this thing. And that year in 2016, the Golden State Warriors won 73 regular season games, which is the most in NBA history for the regular season. And the Cavs found themselves down three games to one, and no team had ever come back from three games to one deficit in the NBA Finals until the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. And I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. But anyway, it was a big deal. And our theme for this morning is that all-in mentality. Because listen, man, one guy can get up and say, hey, we got to do this. One guy can get up and say, hey, this is the goal. But if we don't all band together, it's not going to get done. We, each and every single one of us, have to agree as individual units and organisms within this large context 
of the body of Christ, we all have to agree to be all in to do our part, whatever that part is. And so today I want to take a look at a very familiar passage of scripture through a missions lens, through a great commission lens. And so Luke 9 is our main text if you want to flip over there if you're not already. But as a, let's get a running start here and review a common memory verse in Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. Now, I think most of us probably know this verse by heart, or you start reading it, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's, I, I know that. That's Luke 9.23. But sometimes, I feel like, maybe sometime after our salvation, we tend to forget what this actually means. Jesus is calling for followers who will deny themselves and daily take up their cross to do whatever it takes to follow him. And he said that 2,000 years ago, and it hasn't changed. But somehow, sometimes we get saved and we live in America. We live in the West. We live in a Laodicean context in history. And it's easy to forget what we signed up for. <laughs> it's easy to forget what Jesus was calling for. And we're just like, oh yeah, man, I'm going to heaven. I like the ethical morality of living as a Christian. I like the, whatever this, political bent of being a Christian. But, but that's not what Jesus was asking for. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Lose your life for my sake. And if you do that, you'll find it. Now, with that running start, let's skip down to the end of the chapter and look at verse 57. Let's read verses 57 to 62. And then we're going to break this down and see what God might be telling us today. It says, and it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said, awesome, sign a connection card. No, verse 58. And Jesus said unto him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not where to lay his head. 59, and he said unto another, follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And Jesus said unto him, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home in my house. And Jesus said unto him, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll kind of label these guys. We have three men here and two of them say this, you know, let me first thing, right? Suffer me first. And so we might call these guys the me first guys. They, you know, Jesus said, follow me, but they were prioritizing other things. And that's, I've preached it that way. And that's, and that's, and it's obvious here, but you know, I was reading this in my just daily devotions um, back in August or September before we came back to the States. And I was reading through it and man, just as a missionary who had now been on the field almost two years, God just like gave me a slightly different perspective than I had read it before because Jesus was the first missionary, right? I mean, I mean, really, he was the first one to come and to leave his home with his sole intent to lay down his life to save those who need saving. He was, he's the model missionary. I know we say Paul is, of course, but Jesus really is our model. And so as I was reading this, man, this is the first time that I really saw this through a missions lens. And, and listen, this isn't going to be an incredibly deep sermon. I, and it's not just because I'm a missionary, I promise. But but listen, I think sometimes when we've been saved for a while, a couple years, a couple decades, we, we, and we're in a good church like this, we get a strong hankering for meat and steak, right? Like, I don't want to eat my veggies. 
I just want some steak. Give me that new deep doctrine, man, that I haven't heard before. And we're searching our podcasts. They're good podcasts. And we're looking for that new thing, that deep thing I've never heard before. And it's like, sometimes you just got to eat your carrots and broccoli, man. Sometimes we got to look back at those, uh, those simple truths that we know, but we haven't really been doing recently. And so I want to look at this today in that vein of, are we doing what Jesus wanted us to do thousands of years ago when he came? So this text has three questions for you. I'm, I'm going to ask you three questions this morning that I think when you answer them for yourself, it's going to determine, am I all in? Because that's the idea. Am I all in for the Great Commission? And let's determine that today on the first day of 2023, and you can decide. And if not, man, surrender that to God today. That's what we're going to look at. So three questions. And the first one, we're going to look at each of these three characters briefly. Number one, are you willing to forsake possessions? Are you willing to forsake possessions? And this is all in the context of for the sake of the gospel of Christ, okay? Look back at verse 57 and 58, the first man that we see. It says, it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I'll follow thee whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus' response is interesting. It wasn't excitement. It wasn't, uh, you're not good enough. It wasn't, you need to be trained. It wasn't any of that. It was very, very poignant. He says, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man hath not a place, hath not where to lay his head. And you know, personally, verse 58, I've never been able to personally identify with this verse until 2020, because in order to move to the mission field, we had to sell everything that we had, except for a few things that we packed up into a couple boxes and shipped over. We had to sell our house and our cars so that we could get to Hungary. But because of the pandemic, we didn't know when. So we just moved into my parents' basement, me and my wife and my two-year-old son at that point. And that first night after we sold the house and we're, we're going to sleep in my teenage bedroom with my wife and my son, um, this verse gave me peace. I actually, God brought this verse to mind because I, I was starting to feel a little, uh, um, I don't even know what the word is, insignificant. I, you know, it's like I've, Everything that I've worked for to get to this point is all gone. We gave it all away, sold it, and we're getting ready to head across the ocean. We don't even know when. Could be living with my parents for a month or a year. Didn't know at that point. But this verse gave me peace because for the first time in my life, I was actually technically homeless by choice for the sake of the gospel. Now, I, we, we had worked out an apartment overseas that we're going to get to eventually. But at that point, that night, the only reason we had a place to lay our head is because my parents put us in their basement. Now, praise the Lord for parents. But I'm just saying for me, when I was sitting there feeling kind of insignificant, you know, I'm in my late 20s, I've got a family and I'm sleeping in my parents' basement. And I'm like, this is the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing in America, right? That's, you're like, when you're 30 and living in your parents' basement, usually you're made fun of. And I'm like, we did this on purpose though, because that's what God asked us to do. And I could, I could kind of, kind of, you know, barely uh, identify with this. So let me just ask you, maybe you're not going to move to another country. I get that. I get that. But are you willing to forsake all your earthly possessions for the kingdom of God if he asks you to? What if it means you don't know where your family's going to live or you have to sell all or most of your belongings? I, it sounds radical, I know, but, but it's not. It's radical for an American to do that, but it's not radical for a Christian. It's reasonable. 2,000 years ago, it was the norm. If we were going to actually live this thing and follow this man who claimed to be the son of God. Matthew 6, you guys know this. I'm telling you, it's not deep today. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So let me just ask you, Christian, where's your treasure today? And now, listen, I know I'm preaching to a church that gives significantly to missions, gives significantly to our family. I get that. But every Christian needs to hear this. Where is your treasure today? Can I be honest with you guys this morning? I don't want to offend anybody, but listen, we ain't preaching. We're just being real right now. After two years of living in a poor country and learning to adapt to the culture for the sake of taking them the gospel, when I come back here and I just look around, not, not here, it, American Christianity, Christianity, just in general, 99% of Christians aren't willing to give up their comfort for Christ. It's just the truth. I'm not trying to be mean. It's just the truth. Well, they say they're all in, I know, but when push comes to shove and it's my stuff and my comfort and my things and my house and my family's security or Christ, they're out. Now, not, it doesn't mean that they're leaving the faith, but that's where they draw the line, right? They're, they're, they're here, but they're not going there. You know, there's, there's a point where they're like, I'm, I'm in, but not at the expense of my family's security or my children's education or my 401k or whatever it is. The reason is we're just, man, all of us, me too. We're richly out of sins. We worship entertainment and comfort and security. And oftentimes our treasure isn't in heaven. It's in our wallet. It's in our 401k. It's in our garage. And so, biblically, by definition, that's where our heart is. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also, not the other way around. I read a book recently about missions, and it had a, it had a quote from a random guy that I thought was really convicting. This guy named Bill said, a, a missionary who has devoted over, uh, he was a missionary who devoted over six years to missions, uh, mainly serving in persecuted churches in Eastern Europe. He said, it's not the Christians in the West aren't willing to suffer persecution for Christ. They just don't want to be inconvenienced. It's like, man, I'm ready for the war. Are they going to kill me? Not, you can kill me. I'm not giving up on Christ. Okay, well, but like, will you sell your really nice house and your car and, and be poor for Christ? Well, uh, I don't want to be inconvenienced. I don't want to be uncomfortable. You guys know the parable of the sower and the seed, right? We got the four soils in Mark chapter four. We got, you got the wayside, you got the stony ground, you've got the thorny ground, you've got the good ground, right? Well, look at, look at, this, this always gets me, man. It's the, the thorny ground that we kind of overlook sometimes. Like the wayside, the lost people, the stony ground, the fakers, they got no root. But look at that thorny ground. Look, look in Mark chapter four, verse 18. These are they which are sown among the thorns, such as hear the word, but what happens? The cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things entering in, what it happens? It chokes the word and it becometh unfruitful. It doesn't say that they don't have root. They're not, they're not not saved. They didn't lose their salvation. They just get choked out by the things that don't matter. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches. And man, as Americans, we are really good at letting the cares of this world choke us out so that we become unfruitful. 2 Timothy 2.2, I actually think this is a good cross-reference for Mark 4 in the parable of the sower. Check this out. We know 2 Timothy 2.2, right? That's the discipleship verse. All things are the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. But in the context of discipleship, what's verse 3 and 4 say? Thou therefore, because of this, endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. And let me tell you, Paul says, if you're going to be a good soldier, look at verse 4. No man that warreth. No man that's going to be a soldier 
entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. There's your cross-reference to Mark 4, 18 and 19. Why? That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So I just want to ask you, in this idea of are you willing to forsake possessions, the idea is this. It's not about like, do I have to give up everything? Where's your heart at, Christian? Where's your heart? Have you become entangled with the affairs of this life in so much that it has rendered you unfruitful? Because if, if we're going to be all in, if you don't want to be all in and you just want to come to church on Sundays, that's fine. I mean, it's not fine, but you get what I'm saying. If we want to be all in for this thing and we want to do the Great Commission because there's not much time left, then we got to be willing to forsake some stuff for the cause of Christ. Amen? Number two, are you willing to forsake events? Now, this one's a little, a little different. Like, what do you mean forsake events? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I mean. But let, let's look at the next character in the story, verse 59 in chapter, uh, of chapter 9 of Luke. He said unto another, follow me. But the guy said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. That's a seemingly noble request. I don't see anything like necessarily carnal off the top. But look at Jesus' reply. He says, let the dead bury their dead, but go thou and preach the kingdom of God. Now listen, there's cool doctrinal stuff we could dive into, but we're looking at a very practical devotional application this morning. Let me just tell you a little bit of my story. Since we left for the mission field, can I tell you what we've missed in the last two years? We've missed friends getting married. Friends giving birth, family and loved ones have passed away, and we weren't there. We missed it. You know, you don't think that's going to be a big deal until you're in it. I was on deputation when my grandma passed away. We were in Hungary when my aunt and uncle died. I was in Hungary 4,500 miles away when my childhood pastor, Mark Trotter, went home to be with the Lord. And it just hits a little different when you know you can't be there. It's not that like, hey, you know, we don't live there, but we'll fly home. It's like, I can't. And the reason is because we did what God asked us to do. And we just missed some things. We missed some events. We missed some people passing and, and other things. John 11, you know, Jesus missed the death of Lazarus because he was away working. And li listen, I get it. Jesus chose to not go back because he was working something and Jesus can raise him again from the dead. And he did. But Jesus wasn't there when his friend died because he was doing the work of his father. John eleven twenty one. 21, Martha, you know, didn't, didn't understand what was going on. Lord, if thou had been here, my brother had not died. He, he wasn't there. That's the long and short of it. He wasn't there because he was doing what God asked him to do. Listen, missionaries, I love reading missionary biographies. They're what sustain me and really just convict me to keep plowing ahead because we've got it. Missionaries in this day and age, we've got it easy, man. When we go back to Hungary, we'll be there in a day. We'll hop on two flights, we'll be across the ocean, and we'll be there. Missionaries back in the 18th and 19th century, the ones who laid the foundations for this thing, it wasn't easy. They boarded ships to go across the world, assuming that they would never see their family again until they got to heaven. Those are the giants on whose shoulders we stand. Look at the reward. You guys, you guys realize 18th, 19th century, that's Philadelphian church age, right? That's the church of the open door. And there's a reason why they were so successful. At Re Revelation chapter 3 and 12, look at the reward that God gives the church of Philadelphia for what they did. He says, him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go. He, he, won't, he won't have to go anymore. He gets to stay home. He shall go no more out. And there's other stuff that they get, but man, those guys went 
And they kept going. And, and guys like Adoniram Judson, they lost wives to, and kids to the flu and to sickness because they couldn't get across the ocean to get hospital care. But they went anyway. And God says, listen, man, when I come back and we set this thing up, you don't got to go out anymore. You can stay right here. You're going to be a pillar holding the, holding the ceilings up. And if you're going to be all in for Christ, you're going to miss some things. You're going to miss some deaths. You're going to miss some births some marriages, some graduations, some birthdays, some, some basketball games. None of those things are insignificant. They matter to us, but you're going to miss some. Are you willing to forsake all of that for the cause of Christ in order to preach the kingdom of God? Number three, are you willing to forsake people? This could be one of the hardest ones. Verse 61 and 62 of Luke chapter 9 Another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. Another, again, at, at surface level, doesn't seem that carnal. But look at Jesus' response. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And you know, listen, if you weren't a Christian and you've been hearing these things that Jesus is saying to people who want to follow him, they sign the connection card. They're like, what do you want me to do? And he's almost turning them away saying, you're not all in enough. You would think he's a little crazy. You would think that he's asking for too much and too big of a commitment. But if you're a Christian, you're supposed to know that that's what Jesus asked for all along. He didn't switch. It wasn't a bait and switch. He didn't say, hey man, you can have eternal life for nothing. And then you step in the door and it's one of those clubs where like Hotel California, you can check out, you can never leave. He's like, now I'm asking for all your stuff. No, no, no. If we got saved biblically, we understood what we were signing up for. We made a trade, life for life. Genesis 22, we're not going to turn there, but you guys know God asked Abraham to sacrifice his only son for the sake of his glory. Now, he didn't take, he didn't let him, but he asked for it. Was Abraham willing? He was willing. And then God said, okay, I'm, I'm not going to take it. I don't have time to get into the story, but it's really neat. My, one of my best friends in the world, Corey Van Sickle, he's my age at our church back in New Philly. And we both were coming up together, discipling, training, and we both wanted to do missions. And we both got to the point where we were going and God opened the door. Well, he opened doors for both of us along the way. It's a long story. Confirmed everything. And when it was time for us to go, we went. And when it was time for them to go, God shut the door. It's, it's an amazing story. You really ought to hear it from him, but it's like, Two guys in the same boat put it all on the altar. One God said, okay, I'll take that sacrifice. Now you go. And the other one, he's like, no, you keep it. I just wanted to make sure you were in. It's interesting. Interesting how God does that. He wants to see where your heart is. He wants to see where your heart is. When we moved to Hungary, and really, I don't, mean, I don't want to make this about me, but like when you, when you do the missionary gig, people want to hear stories. So I want to give you some stories of what it's like behind the scenes and not just the frilly stuff that's on Facebook. Like this is the real this is the real honest truth of being a missionary if you're going to do something like this. When we moved there, and I heard my two-year-old son cry at night that he missed his grandparents, and he didn't, he didn't understand. He doesn't know where America's at. He's just a little far away. Why can't we go back there? Two-year-old son asked me, why can't we go back to America? And I sat down, and I cried, and I just asked myself, well, what have I done? Am I a bad dad? You know what I had to do? I had to just rest on the promises of God. I had to rest on what he was confirming in our lives over the past seven or eight years and say, no, no, this is what God asked us to do. And there's, we're going to take some things on the chin. There's going to be some sacrifices. We're going to forsake some things. But it's worth it. You know, it's hard to, 
leave family. It's, it's really hard to leave your church family. Like uh, the, the sister who's going to New Zealand, listen, if you grew up in this church, that's hard. It's not just hard leaving your family. It's, it's hard leaving your church family too. But listen, that's what he asks us to do. That's why we do it. Luke 14, look at Luke 14 if you want to, it might be on the screen. Yeah, yeah. Verse 26 and 27. If any man come to me and hates not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whosoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be a missionary, right? Were you reading it? If you do not hate the people who are closest to you in comparison to how much you love me, and you're not willing to forsake all that you have, you cannot be my disciple, not a missionary. You can't be a follower. Do we claim to be followers and we're not willing to give up the basic things that he asked us to? Are you willing to forsake all for Christ, possessions, events, and people for him? Because it's not just for missionaries, guys. That's for all disciples. It's for all Christians who have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. But specifically, man, if you think that God might be calling you to be a missionary at some point, I want you to ask yourself these three questions. Because this is the reality of what God is asking you to do. It, it's no, it's sometimes like, man, especially young people, because we want to sell them on like, man, give your life to Christ. And we, we show them all the good things. It's not just this Instagram adventure lifestyle there are some things you get to do that nobody else gets to do, and God gives you that grace. It's cool. My son gets to live in Budapest. That's really cool. But it's at the expense of everything else we just talked about. It's not all bad. It's worth it. But man, you better, you better count the cost and know what you're getting into. Are you all in? I want to kind of conclude here. I've got, I mean, I've got a couple more scripture passages yet, but I want you to count the cost of going all in. I know that you should have counted the cost when you got saved, but listen, we're all human. And, 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 and man, listen, sometimes we just stray off the path a little bit, right? That's what today's for. It's, I like New Year's because it's like, listen, man, let's get it right. And let's go forward into this new year on the track. So let's count the cost of not being saved. Let's count the cost of saying today, I'm putting a line in the sand. I'm going to go all in for 2023 and beyond. Me and my family, as for me and my house, we're all in. Back to Luke 14 that we were just in. Verse uh, starting in verse 28. For which of you intending to build a tower sitteth not down first and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Yeah, I feel like you guys have a very real understanding of this, this verse, right? Yeah, we're going to build something. What's the cost going to be? Whew. We're going to trust the Lord for this one, but we're, here we go. Verse 29. Lest happily, after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him and saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to war maketh, or against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000. Or else while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an embassage and desireth conditions or peace. So here's the point, verse 33, likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Over and over and over again, are you willing to forsake it all 
to truly be a disciple of Christ. And now listen, I, I know this might sound bleak. I'm sorry if this hasn't been super motivational or super encouraging. I hope it ends there when we land the plane. But this is the reality, guys, of being a soldier for Christ, is it not? You know, there's uh, one of the pastors, you guys know Heartland Baptist Fellowship. Uh, if you know Pastor Randy Foster up there, what an encouraging brother. I love that man so much. And he once told me, listen, because he grew up like a military kid and they were always moving. And, and I asked him once, like, man, God moves you around for ministry a lot. How, how do you handle that? And he said, listen, the Lord is our commander. He gives us the orders and we say, yes, sir. Period. If he says, hey, I want you to move to Hungary, you just do it. And if in 10 years we get a church plan and he says, hey, now I want you to go here, we do it. If Tony's in Texas and he says, hey, I want you to go back to Iola because this church needs you, you do it. Doesn't mean it's easy. Doesn't mean it's always fun. But we signed up for a war. We didn't sign up for, I don't know, a Sam's Club membership. That was, that was a dumb illustration. I'm sorry. I should just stick to my notes. But we, he's our commanding officer. But listen, this stuff isn't all bleak. I, I just want you to count the cost of being all in because the reality also is that God rewards those who are obedient. Amen? We know this. Those who sacrifice this temporary physical life for his kingdom will be rewarded. You're playing the long game, Christian. If you look around you, and listen, man, I can tell you, sometimes being a missionary, you hop on Facebook and you see all your friends back in, in America and they're just living it up. They're buying all their boats. They're have, enjoying life. And I'm like, man, why are we doing this? Like, you just got to remind yourself sometimes. Because this is long-term investing with judgment seat of Christ dividends. That's what we're doing. We're paying it forward. We're sending it on forward. Luke 18 Verse 28, Peter said, Lo, Jesus, we've left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you that there's no man that hath left house or parents, possessions and people, or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. You gotta keep the, the long game in, the, in focus. We're, we're Colossians chapter three, right? We're focusing on things above, not things on earth. Matthew chapter six, that's what we're doing. That's how you play this game. That's how we do this thing. And listen, man, these times that we're living in are the last days of the church age, right? We live in Laodicea. And I, I kind of want to bring the sermon to a close here by, by reminding ourselves of what, of what Christ has to say to the church of Laodicea. Let's look at that briefly. In Revelation 3, I'm sure it'll be up here. You can turn there if you want. We'll start in verse 14. God says unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things saith the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works. Thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou art cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art actually wretched and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. He says, you don't even know. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou, might see, thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in to him, and I'll sup with him, and he with me. And to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, 
even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Guys, this is written to the church at Laodicea. Not the world, not America, not our culture, not lost people. This is written to the church. This is written to us. And this is what he has to say to us, that the church is lukewarm, not the world, not American culture, not conservative politics. The church is lukewarm. The church says that they're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. The church doesn't realize that they're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And the church is being rebuked and chastened by God. Jesus is standing on the outside of the church and asking to come in if we've got a moment. We're almost at the end of this whole thing, man. Jesus is coming back soon. Do you believe that? Back when I was young, I grew up at FBC in the 90s, and we used to, Mark Trotter would always lead this song every year. I don't know if, if you guys heard of this one. It was, what if this could be the year when Jesus comes? Anyone hear that song? It's an old one. We would sing it every year, man. And, and man, you could tell the guys up on stage singing it, they meant it. Like, man, this could be the year. This could be it. It could all come down this year. And the church of this age in general is letting Christ down because we're not all in. We're comfortable. And listen, man, I know I'm just a visiting missionary, but I feel like I know you guys pretty well. I know I know your pastors well. I kind of hope this morning makes you uncomfortable because comfort is a great, great enemy of the Christian preventing us from being all that God wants us to be. And it's a sneaky one because we're looking for Satan. We're looking for the world. We're looking for the flesh. But man, comfort, that's, that's a, a big enemy of the Christian because it's not going to send you to hell. What it's going to do is prevent you from doing what God wants you to be doing. It's going to prevent you from getting those judgment seat of Christ rewards that we also desire. So man, don't, listen, don't raise your hand. But as we land this plane, I just want to ask you one last time, are you all in? And if you're like, man, I haven't been. Listen, you can be. You just got to draw on the line in the sand today. Have you counted the cost? Are you willing to forsake all for Christ because it's your reasonable service? It doesn't mean he's going to take it all from you, but are you willing to forsake it all for what Christ has done for us? Listen, many of you in this church, you give your money to this church every week faithfully. Praise the Lord for you. And, and many of you give above and beyond that to missions and to my family and praise the Lord for that. That's a great start because where your heart is, there will your treasure be also, right? But I want to ask you this morning, what do you guys give the offerings? Do you have the plates or bags or just a box? Okay, well, COVID, we don't really pass the plates anymore. But listen, back in the day, listen, young people, back in my day, we had these like bowls that we would pass around and we put the offering thing. In my church, we have these like brass plates that are like super old school and they clink. Anyway, there was a lit, literal plate that we passed and you'd, you'd put your offering in and be like, this, this is for God. It's not mine anymore. Listen, man, this morning, can we just imagine this altar right here is a big old offering plate? And I'm not asking for your money. I'm asking for you to put you in the offering plate and your family and your grandkids and your kids. We got to take the step from only giving of our finances to giving all of us. It's a great start but will we put ourselves in this big offering plate and say, God, I'm all in this year. I don't know what you're going to do with me, but whatever it is, wherever it is, whenever it is, I'm all in because you are worth it. Maybe that needs to be your own personal theme for 2023 for you and your family. 
Church, we don't need a bunch of New Year's resolutions. We just need one this year, I think. Be all in for the gospel. Be all in for the sake of Christ. Be all in for the Great Commission. I've got a quote for you to end on here. There's a missionary named Nate Saint. Maybe you're familiar with him. Him and Jim Elliott and their team in 1956, I believe it was, on January 8th. We're coming up on anniversary. Were murdered in Ecuador uh, by the tribe they were trying to reach at the end of the spear. There's a movie about it and everything. And um, Nate Saint said this, obviously uh, way before he ever was martyred and didn't know know he was going to be a martyr. But here's what he said. He says, people do not know People who do not know the Lord ask why in the world we would waste our lives as missionaries. But they forget that they too are expending their own lives. And when the bubble has burst, they will have nothing of eternal significance to show for the years that they have wasted. Let's not waste our lives, guys. Let's be all in. Let's do this thing. We don't know how long we've got left, but 2023, this is the year. Let's be all in. And and listen, the church of this age, Laodicea, this church, Harvest Baptist Church, does not have to be a Laodicean church. This church can be a Philadelphian church. And you guys have a wonderful heart for missions and for the Lord, but I want to ask each of you individually to consider, am I all in for what God is asking me to do? I want to pray, and then Tony, if you want to come up and close it how you see fit. Father, thank you so much once again for the great privilege it is to be here. Thank you for this wonderful church. And God, you were slicing me up the whole time I'm preparing this message. Because all of us need to consider, we need, we need to, to look back and analyze our life every couple of years here just to make sure that we're still on track. And am I still doing what God wants me to do? Or have I gotten choked out by the cares of this world entering in? And I need, I need to cut those thorns down and I need to bend back down at the altar. And I pray if there's people in here, God, who are saved and they know that you've been asking them to do some things or sacrifice some things, Lord, I pray that they would just put themselves in the offering plate this morning and that they would surrender to be all in for you in 2023 and going forward until you come back for us. It's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen.